Welcome to Blazing History, where we are blazing through history one week at a time. Facebook.com slash Blazing Shows. That's B-L-A-I-S-I-N Shows. Same with Twitter and my brand new website, BlazingShows.com. We celebrate the success of female athletes on the last day of Women's History Month. While there is much to choose from, I'm going to focus on the event which moved the needle of progress. On September 20th, 1973, the Battle of the Sexes took place on the tennis court of the Astrodome in Houston, Texas. 55-year-old Bobby Riggs, a former number one tennis star, wanted to challenge Billie Jean King. She was an up-and-coming women's tennis star. Riggs said women were inferior to men, promoting the match in such a confident way while cementing the antiquated role of women in society. Riggs was down significantly going into the third set, so much so he tried faking injury to break up King's rhythm. Here are the final few minutes from the match from the ABC TV broadcast with Howard Cosell and company on the call. Okay, Bobby's ready to serve, trailing two games to four in the third set. Lost the first two sets, and the first service is a fault. Riggs taking 415 pills a day on a great nutrition drive, getting the most he can out of that body. Again, that backhand passing shot. We could just play that shot all night. It's 15 all. I don't think anything's going to help Bobby now. I think he's in real trouble. He is. He tried, I think, whether he had the hand cramp that we saw earlier or not, that what he obviously was trying to do was break up Billie Jean's brilliant momentum. Mm-hmm. Off the forehand that time. 30. shot off both sides. Tossman forehand, Tossman backhand. Fifteen playing thirty. Thirty all. And in the background, you must have heard one of the fans yelling, come on, Bobby, baby. Howard, that's the first bad error that Billie Jean's made in over four games. Roll the topspin in the middle of the net. I think Billie Jean feels that she has to keep hitting. That's her game, especially when she gets a little bit tentative, uh, a little bit tight. You've got to hit out. It's her type of game to, so she can get back into playing with the way she's used to playing. 40-30. Two very quick, unforced errors by Billie Jean. She was moments only ago at 15.30 on the verge of a second break.
uh, Leroy Neiman, world-famous artist. And Leroy has concentrated a little bit on the ladies here tonight. I guess, well, you should, Leroy. Would you explain? Uh... I gave too much time to Bobby before the match. I spent the evenings with him. So I've been drawing the girls out here. And this is a girl photographer, which I think is a, a welcome addition to the tennis scene. Let me get on this other side. We can't yeah. see very good. Right. No, you stay with me. Oh, here, here. Can you stay over here? There you are. Okay, now. This is Jessica, the girl photographer, a real beauty. And then Bobby Jean, Billy Jean has been a real artist here today, and I think every artist should have her mother painted. We just talked to her. She's and a every artist lady. paints his and her mother, and this is her beautiful mother. Okay, and that's... And here we got the Lions woman. Another beauty. This is an angle that I've had all night, and it's been a little distracting for me. <laughs> I've seen it. Very distracting. Lee Wright, enjoyed it. I know you have. Let's go back now to Howard. Thanks, Giver. Thanks, Leroy Neiman. And uh, Billy Jean picks up, leading four games to three. Quickly, first serve good. Moving in on the return, and again, the backhand passing shot. She leads 15 luck. She has won the first two sets, of course, in case some of you just joined us. 6-4 and 6-3. She has really surprised the crowd here tonight with the consistency and aggressive nature of her play, the quickness of her anticipation and execution. She is leading 30-love in this game. Billie Jean always plays well when uh, it's tight. She's a great, great pressure player. Once again, identifying my colleagues here in the broadcast booth, Rosie Casals, noted lady tennis player on the pro tour, who's having a big year, having made more than 70,000 thus far this year. And Jean Scott. 30-15. That was out. is with me too a man who once played an exhibition match against billy jean king in long island a number of years ago spotted her 10 points in a 21 point set and beat her good shot that was called good i tell you some very close calls she hit that one off the wood but everything counts Adlin, look to you, Gene. Well, that one looked out, but I think Bobby's been getting, probably got the breaks a little earlier on, so maybe in this particular match, the breaks have evened out. Breaks really have not had much to do with the outcome thus far. I think probably one of the critical things has been the surface that Bobby has not been able to, to maneuver on his game. Mighty bad, Howard. So is Bobby. Out. Kramer's watching this and uh, will cement something in his head that women are very, very good tennis players. Certainly a lot better than Bobby Riggs. Oh. 
Bobby not getting his first service in with consistency all evening. on the serve and volley. It's an unusual sight for him. Oh. Oh. 30-30. Right at his feet. Couldn't do anything with it. Where do we go from here if Riggs loses? Does somebody play Pancho Gonzalez or Pancho Segura? It's still one, one and one. Bobby would have won one against the ladies and lost one against the ladies. I think after what we've heard tonight, it could be Gene Scott against Rosie Casals. You think you could beat Gene, Rosie? Uh, he's pretty tough. We'll have to see. Oh, match point. Beautiful shot. Again, off that backhand. Watch closely what happens at the net. Should Billy Jean win? Oh, back to Deuce. Too eager. Too eager, Gene. That's as close to being a choke as we've had tonight. Of course, Billy Jean's so far ahead. It's not the, the traditional type of getting nervous when you're about to lose. Or the only choking would be on the court is Billy Jean choking Riggs. again faulting on the first serve all night long Rosie has not been disposed to be gentle in her mind the lob. I heard that sigh of relief from Bobby from here yeah advantage ring don't forget he trails three games to five in the third set Billy Jean having won the first two sets six four and six three been a comedic night. The show business went out of the thing when Billy Jean started to dominate Bobby Riggs. It's been an interesting match with some fine tennis. And there, that's the kind of tennis we've had from Billy Jean all night. Most of the time, that passing shot has come off the backhand, but when she's had to do it off the forehand, she succeeded. We're back at Deuce. One of the things that Billie Jean has been awfully good at tonight, Howard, is she's shown that she's got very good mobility. She had that driving forehand down the line. She got to the ball in a hurry. He's had terrible trouble with that first serve all night. nonchalant at the forehand. Didn't get his legs into position. I don't think he's nonchalanting anything, Gene. I think he's dog-tired. Comes down to the you're same right, thing. Howard. You're not nonchalanting when you face loss of match. 
passing and shot again off the backhand. We're back to match point for Mrs. Billy Jean King, who has given some demonstration tonight. Predicted backhand down the line. Oops, right in front. As quickly as she comes off a great shot, there is a glaring error. A lot of pressure, tense moments. Crowd's going wild. Bobby has yet to get a first serve in in this game. of the score on the button won't pay off. Pay off close enough. Close enough. Back to Bruce. We got another chance, Gene. We got another chance. I'm afraid so. has been a disaster for him all night, Gene. And the second serve ball. There is no good time for a double ball, but there can be a disastrous time, and that may have been it. Third match point for Billie Jean King. Looks a little like Margaret Court now. Oh. A lot of ladies would like to have this another double. to virtual seclusion. There was talk before the match about her health, whether or not she'd even be able to go ahead with the match as scheduled or have to be, def the match would have to be postponed. It turned out instead that Billie Jean King was perfectly ready. And not only ready, but willing and able, she played her own game, resting up, being non-communicative, but preparing herself mentally and emotionally and physically for a stunning performance against Bobby Riggs. Once again, the winner of the Battle of the Sexes, Billie Jean King by scores of 6-4, 6-3, 6-3. In 2016, King participated in a TED conversation talking about the match and its meaning. First of all, Bobby Riggs, he was a former number one player. He wasn't just some hacker, by the way. He was one of my heroes, uh, and I admired him. And that's the reason I beat him, actually, is because I respected him. <laughs> it's true. My mom and dad, especially my dad, always said, respect your opponent, 
and never underestimate them, ever. And he's correct. He was absolutely correct. But I knew it was about social change. And I was really nervous about whenever we announced it. And I thought, I felt like the whole world was on my shoulders. And I thought, if I lose, it's going to put women back 50 years at least. Title IX had just been passed the year before, June 23, 1972. And women's professional tennis, there were nine of us that signed a $1 contract in 1970. Now remember, the match is in 73. So we're only in our third year of having a tour where we can actually play, have a place to compete, and make a living. So there were nine of us that signed that $1 contract. And our dream was for any girl born in the, any place in the world, if she were good enough, there would be a place for her to compete and for us to make a living. Because before 1968, we made $14 a day, and we were under the control of organization. So we really wanted to break away from that. But we knew it wasn't really about our generation so much. We knew it was about the future generations. We do stand on the shoulders of the people that came before us. There's no question. But every generation has a chance to make it better. That was really on my mind, is that I really wanted to start matching the hearts and minds to Title IX. Uh, Title IX, in case anybody doesn't know, which a lot of people don't probably know, but any federal funds given to a high school college or university, either public or private, had to finally give equal monies to boys and girls. And that changed everything. So you can have a law, but it's changing the hearts and minds to match up with it. That's when it really rocks, totally. So that was on my mind. I want to start that change in the hearts and minds. So it was really, but two things came out of that match. For women, Self-confidence, empowerment. They actually had enough nerve to ask for a raise. Some women have waited 15, 10, 15 years to ask. I said, more importantly, did you get it? <laughs> and they did. And for the men, a lot, a lot of the men today don't realize it, but if you're in your 50s, 60s or whatever, uh, late 40s, you're the first generation of men of the women's movement, whether you like it or not. <laughs> And for the men, what happened, for the men, they come, come up to me, and the, most of the time, the men actually are the ones who have tears in their eyes. It's very interesting. They go, Billy, I was very young when I saw that match, and now I have a daughter. And I am so happy I saw that as a young man. And one of those young men at 12 years old was President Obama. Oh. And he actually told me that when I met him. He said, you don't realize it, but I saw that match at 12, and now I have two daughters and it has made a difference in how I raised them. And that's so both men and women got a lot out of it, but different things. And now there are generations, at least one or two, who have experienced the equality mm-hmm. that Title IX and other mm-hmm. fights along the way made possible. And for women, their generations have also experienced teamwork. They got to play team sports right. in a way they hadn't before. So you, you had a legacy already built in terms of a, being an athlete, a, a legacy of the work you did to lobby for equal pay for women athletes and the Women's Sports Foundation. What now are you looking to accomplish with the Billie Jean King Leadership Initiative? I think it goes back to an epiphany I had at 12. At 11, I wanted to be number one tennis player in the world. And a friend had asked me to play. And I said, what's that? Tennis is not my family basketball and other sports. Fast forward to 12 years old. 
and I'm finally starting to play in tournaments where you get a ranking. You know, you know, at the end of the year you get some. So I was daydreaming at the Los Angeles Tennis Club, and I started thinking about my sport and how tiny it was, but also that everybody who played had wore white shoes, white clothes, played with white balls, and everybody who played was white. And I said to myself at 12 years old, "Where is everyone else?" And I kept that just kept sticking in my brain. And that moment, I promised myself I'd fight for equal rights and opportunities for boys and girls, men and women, the rest of my life. And that tennis, if I were fortunate enough to become number one, and I know being a girl would be harder to have influence already at that age, that I had this platform. And tennis is global, and I thought, you know what? I've been given an opportunity that very few people have had. Now I didn't know if I was going to make it. This is only 12. I sure wanted it, <laughs> but making it's a whole other discussion. But I just remember I promised myself, and that's I've really tried to keep my word, and、um, that's who I truly am. That's what, just fighting for people, and unfortunately, women have had less, and we are considered less. And so my attentions, where did they have to go? I mean, it was just you have to. Also, and stick up for your, learn to stick up for yourself. Hear your own voice. I mean, you hear all these same words keep coming out all the time. And、uh, I got really lucky because I really had an education. And I think if you can see it, you can be it. You know, if you can see it, you can be it. And you look at Pat. You look at other leaders. You look at these speakers. Look at yourself, because everyone, everyone. Can do something extraordinary. Every single person. And your story, Billy, has inspired so many women everywhere. Now, with the Billie Jean King Leadership Initiative, you're taking on a, an even bigger cause. Because one thing we hear a lot about is women taking their voice, working to find their way into leadership positions. But what you're talking about is even bigger than that. It's inclusive leadership,、totally、and this is a generation that has grown up thinking more inclusive. Yes. Look at the technology. It's amazing how it connects us all. It's about connection. It's, it's simply amazing what's possible because of it.、Um, but the Billie Jean King Leadership Initiative is really about the workforce mostly and trying to change it so people can actually go to work and be their authentic self. Because most of us have two jobs: one to fit in. I'll give you a perfect example. African American woman gets up an hour earlier, go to work, straightens her hair in the bathroom, goes to the bathroom、um, probably four or five, six times a day to keep straightening her hair, keep making sure she fits in. So she's working two jobs. She's got real, this other job, you know, whatever that it may be, but she's also trying to fit in. Or this poor man that was、uh, kept his diploma. He went to the U- University of Michigan, but he never would talk about his poverty as a youngster. Ever just would not mention it, so he made sure that they saw he was well educated. And then you see a gay guy who has an NFL, which means American football for all of you out there. It's a big deal. It's very macho, and he had he talked about football all the time because he was gay and he didn't want anybody to know. So it's、um, it's it just goes on and on. So my my wish for everyone is to be able to be their authentic self, 24/7. That would be the ultimate. And we catch ourselves. I mean, I catch myself to this day. Even being gay, I catch myself, you know, like a little uncomfortable, a little surge in my gut, feeling not totally comfortable in my own skin. So I just think you have to ask yourself. I want people to be themselves, whatever that is. Just let it be. 
And the first research that the Leadership Initiative did showed yes. that, 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 that these examples that you the just used, others, yes, that, that many of us had the problem of being authentic. Correct. But what you've just looked at is this millennial generation who's benefited from all these equal opportunities, well, which uh, may not be equal, but exist everywhere. First of all, did you I'm know? really lucky. Partnership with Taneo, who's a strategic company that's amazing. And that's really the reason I'm able to do this. Uh, I've had two times in my life where I've actually had men really behind me with power, and that was with the old days of Philip Morris with Virginia Slims, and this is the second time in my entire life. And then Deloitte, uh, the one thing I wanted was data, facts. So Deloitte sent out a survey, and we're into about 400 and over 4,000 now. People have answered. We're continuing in the workplace. Um, what, the, what you feel, what the millennials feel, well, they feel a lot, but what they're so fantastic about is, you know, our generation was like, oh, we're going to get representation, so if you walk into a room, you see everybody represented. That's not good enough anymore. We're just so good. So the millennials are fantastic. They want connection, engagement. They just want you to tell us what you're feeling, what you're thinking, and get into the solution. They're problem solvers. And, then, of course, you've got the information at your fingertips compared to when I was growing up. What did the research show you about these millennials? Are they going to make a difference? Are they going to create a, a world where there is really an inclusive workforce? Well, in, 20, in 2025, 75% of the global workforce are going to be millennials. So I think they are going to help solve problems. I think they have the wherewithal to do that. I know they care a lot. They have big ideas. Um, and they can make big things happen. I want to stay in the now with the young people. I don't want to get behind. Um. <laughs> I don't think there's any chance. No, no, but I just I really want well, to hear Well, you know, what you it. found out in the research about millennials is not really the experience that a lot of people have with millennials, you know. No, well, if we want to talk, okay, I've been doing my little mini-survey. I've been talking to the boomers that are their bosses, I go, and I go, what do you think about the millennials? I'm pretty excited, like it's good. And they go, and they get this face. <laughs> oh, you mean the me generation? I said, do you really think so? Because I do think they care about environment and, and uh, you know, all these things. And they go, oh, Billy. <laughs> they cannot focus. <laughs> they actually have proven that the average focus for an 18-year-old is 37 seconds. <laughs> they can't focus. And they don't really care. I know, okay, I just heard a story the other night. She owns a gallery, and she had these workers, and she gets a text from one of the workers. She's like an intern. She's not like, you know, she's just starting. She goes, oh, by the way, I'm going to be late because I'm at the hairdressers. <laughs> <laughs> so she arrives, and this boss says, What's going on? She says, oh, I was late. Sorry, how's it going? She says, well, guess what? I'd like you to leave. You're finished. She goes, okay. <laughs> now, no problem. Now, Billy, that story. I know, but that's what scares the boomers. I'm just telling you. So I think it's good for us to share. <laughs> no, it is good for us to share because we're our authentic self and what we're really feeling. So we got to take it both ways. That's all the time we have. Thanks for listening to Blazing History, blazing through history one week at a time. What do you think? Let me know at facebook.com slash blazing shows. That's B-L-A-I-S-I-N shows. On Twitter at blazing shows. 
or email me, blazonshows at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts or on my website, blazonshows.com. To quote the late Franklin D. Roosevelt, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Take care of yourself, and we'll talk again next week. On Blazing History, I'm Blaze Bryant.